0: Welcome to another Art of Relationships podcast. We are grateful for listeners like you. Let's get right into it. Tim, oftentimes on this podcast, uh, we hear from listeners and um, they'll send in something through our website, cmr.biola.edu, uh, we talked about speakpipe.com. That's another way to do this. And some of the topics and questions that we get are really cool. Let's answer a couple of those. What do you think? That sounds great. So first one, um, a re- listener wrote in and said that jealousy in a dating relationship is causing some problems, especially uh, the fact that this other person, the person that they're with, it has a close friend of the opposite sex. So... Uh, What do you tell a person who's in a dating relationship and the person they're dating has a very close friend of the opposite sex?
1: Uh, I would say one thing, Chris. Uh, I would say dating relationship is important, that it's a dating relationship. I think it's unreasonable to expect when you start dating a person and they do have close friends of the opposite sex, I think it's unreasonable to think that they have to then pull back or sever relationships that they've had for a long time, I think that shows a bit of insecurity on the person who now feels like I need to get rid of some uh, friends that I've had for a long time. They're the opposite sex because now I'm in a dating relationship. I don't know if, if that uh, speaks well of the person who now suddenly is very insecure because the person I'm dating has close opposite sex friends
0: so maybe the answer tim comes down to uh, the definition of dating how how long have you been with this person uh is this somebody that you've been dating for a long time who have just developed recently new close friends of the opposite sex or is this something that they've had with them for a long time and you're just kind of the new person on the block and it bothers you And so maybe, again, how serious is the dating? How long? Um, My guess, Tim, as soon as that relationship starts to get a little bit more serious, let's say uh, maybe there's engagement or talk of engagement, um, what would you say then? Uh, Having a member of a close friend while you're engaged uh, now um, is the issue in a couple, let's say they're struggling with that.
1: So th- this is what's hard about these segments, we love them, is that there's just not a lot of information given in that one-sentence question. I would have to know, okay, what are we talking about? Are, are, is this? Let's say you're dating a guy. He has this close female friend that he's had for a long time, and they're spending every other night together. They're off going and doing stuff. Um, in ordin- It seems like an inordinate amount of time with that person. Okay, then my antennas start to go up, right? But if he has a close friend of the opposite sex, yeah. and they maybe are part of a study group, or they always get together as like a threesome, like two guy friends and this girlfriend. I th- I don't know. That, I think, is fine. Now, you and I have a little bit of a disagreement in how this gets played out, is I I tend to think trust really surfaces very quickly. Again, unless this person is just doing things that like, hey, me and this opposite sex friend, we went and saw a movie, had dinner, and we're talking for hours into the... We- hours of the morning. Then I'm like, oh, okay, the longer we date, the more I'm uncomfortable with that. What do you? How do you feel about my uncomfortableness? How is that received? So I, I think there just comes time where you, you have to negotiate it. And, and there's no right answer to this question. I think it's okay to have an opposite sex friend if the couple's okay with it. Uh, but that's gonna have to be negotiated between you and that person. That's gonna surface some interesting values that probably need to be talked about.
0: Yeah, I know. That's good. Let's try another one. You got one for us, Tim?
1: Sure. I love this one. What is the necessity of community in marriage? Often couples, uh, when they're dating seriously, they don't spend a lot of time with their friends and feel like community isn't really needed. hmm Boy, we couldn't disagree with that more. Yeah, when you yeah. get married, you need community more than you've ever needed them before because life becomes hard. And, and, one of the, and we've often talked about um, spiritual battle on this podcast. One of the Satan's favorite tactics is for you to think as a young couple, we're the only ones who experience these problems. We're the only parents of teenagers or special needs children or whatever, uh, and we're making all these mistakes. Mm-hmm. Every New Testament letter is written with group in mind. The church to Ephesus, the church to Corinth, the church to Rome, even the pastoral ones to Timothy and Titus were to individuals, but meant to be shared in a group context. It couldn't be more clear in the New Testament. You do faith in community. We would argue you do Christian marriage in community because you're stronger and it's easier to talk to people and get support. You don't put all that pressure on your spouse.
0: Yeah, Tim, I, I agree with the very idea that whenever we hear New Testament passages um, that that address this, it's always, even in Hebrews, and let us consider how to stir up or stimulate one another. It doesn't say, hey, do this within your marriage, uh, stir up. This, this means in community, you are going to be able to poke or prod another person and and learn from that. And so when couples, uh, like you said, they date and they maybe get engaged and they start to isolate from, one of the hard things is reintegrating them back into a community. But it's so critical and so important simply because, as you said, they learn other things from other people that they can't learn within this isolated twosome, this coupleness. Um, b- but it also does something for them. It also makes their relationship stronger. Be- I-, I remember my wife saying, Chris, I like you better when you go out with your guy <laughs> friends. When, when-, when you right. invest in them and-, and you go do things with them, it seems as if it just gives me a better version of you. And. And uh, and so I, I feel the same when she goes off and sees her girlfriends for, you know, a night out or they go for a weekend away or they go. It just she comes back different, happier, uh, and and I love
1: that idea. So so we have been in a marriage group, right? How long we've we been in this group? Chris?
0: Yeah, it's been about, about twelve, Gosh, maybe fourteen yeah, years. Yeah,
1: and it's just great. We we get. I mean, we try to get together maybe twice a month, right? Sometimes life's busy, but man, to be in this group and just say things like, hey, what do, what would you guys do? We're having trouble with uh, one of our kids or we're running into this issue. And what, what would you guys do? There is wisdom in numbers. And that group has become more dear to us over time. And we had one in North Carolina. And when we got here to California, we said one of our top priorities, look for great couples and just pull them together. And again, ask couples. Now, people are busy, but Find people in the in similar season of life and bring them together. So, Chris, we think community's huge. What do you think of Hurley's comment in what's that book called, Divorce Proofing Your Marriage? Isn't that William Hurley?
0: Uh, Harley, yeah.
1: Harley. Remember he said this comment that I, I... By the way, the book is pretty good, and I would say overall, I would recommend the book. But he makes this one weird comment that has never sat well with me. And then he said, don't do any hobby that your spouse doesn't do with you. yeah. Uh-huh. I don't like that. I think that's too restrictive. I like what you said, is that you go off and do things with your friends, and then you're a better version of yourself when you come back. So uh, like Noreen doesn't necessarily, uh, let's say, like playing tennis or mountain biking. I th- is it true that he would say, well, you probably shouldn't do that because you're, you're excluding your spouse?
0: Yeah, I'm, maybe, and I, and I can't remember the context, but I've always read it this way. Um, that there are so many things that you need to invest in, you have only so much time, right? And so, if there's a balance, uh, this is where I think you and I agree on this one. If if you are doing something together, you 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 find your similar life passions and joys and excitements, and maybe it is tennis or maybe it is you know mountain biking. But it can't be everything, and I think that's the point, that I continue to evolve and grow as a person, and we will like each other more as you continue to grow and evolve so long as or provided that you are in this limited amount of time that you have in couple spending that time together and Gottman calls this and others the magic of five hours right that more week, couple week, uh, right? of yeah magic okay. of five hours a week that couples that are struggling compared to couples that were thriving after a year of watching them over time they were all at the low bottom end right the difference between the couples that found something the to do for five hours more a week versus the other couples actually had higher ratings of marital quality. And that, Tim, I think that's that five hours is, could couples find something to do? And that's oftentimes a hobby, and that's oftentimes doing something together. But it doesn't negate the fact that each of us have individual lives, and we're probably going to be better off still continuing to do those hobbies, even if the other spouse isn't there, provided again, that you're investing together.
1: Yeah, like here's a good balance. So Noreen and I, on Wednesdays, we go to yoga together. Oh my gosh, Chris. Chris, I wasn't flexible in high school. I'm certainly not flexible now. Happy baby position is not happy. That is not a happy baby. But we just, it's beginning yoga. We literally laugh um, and just have fun. But she also does Pilates. And I've seen Pilates. I've seen what those women do. I'm not doing Pilates. Yeah, no. And she has good friends yeah. in Pilates. So I think that's the kind of balance we're looking for, right? There's certain things Noreen wants to do that I'm just not going to do. And
0: what is the happy baby position? Show it to I me now. I'm just showing you
1: <laughs> happy baby. It is yeah. not happy.
0: Okay. So Tim, start another one. What's another question that uh, we have out there?
1: Well, uh, another great question is our culture today encourages shallow connections but how important is it to cultivate deep friendships?
0: Yeah, I think the difference oftentimes comes down to maybe another variable, and that's introversion, extroversion. L- mm. Let me just say it this way. people that are introverts probably have a more likely opportunity of going deeper with one or two people because they maybe don't spend as much time with uh, a lot of other people. Yeah. Extroverts, I think with that question, it's this. They probably have this wide, very wide-ranging amount of friendships out there that they enjoy, they're fun, they like to get together, you know, you you do all these fun things, but they probably or can oftentimes suffer from a lack of an ability to go deep. And so I think that that deeper friendships um, are for anybody to be able to learn how to cultivate i hear this question all the time in fact a student was recently in my office and he said this i'm really good i'm i connect people i bring them together i i love doing that But the weird thing happens. I find they start to connect a little bit deeper with each other and I feel left out. And then I start to wonder, am I really bad at this? How come I can't make deep friendships? Is it because I'm not in tuned with my emotional side? What is it that makes me unable to go deeper? So Tim, I think that's a great question and it goes like this. I think we um, need to encourage and have people learn what it means to pay attention to another person, to learn about them, uh, and oftentimes that involves this ability to be interested in what they're doing and what they're saying and who they are, giving them my full attention, learning what it means to be a presence in their life, a healing presence, and then actively working at it. Sometimes it requires Intentional effort to show up with one or two people and to be there for them. And I, I just hope they're able to do that more. Well, more. what
1: might surprise listeners is that you and I would both identify ourselves as introverts. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think I have, I have extreme extrovert qualities when I speak. So sometimes that throws people off a little bit. So for me, I'm going to gravitate towards a small group of friends. Where an extrovert may have a wider net to cast. And I think that's fine. And by the way, in reading this question, I don't want to poo-poo virtual friendships. I think we're way too um, uh, down on that. I I think it is possible to have virtual friendships where where you can choose to go deep right? With a person and maybe you reconnect after years, but now you're intentionally online digging deeper friendships. I think that's great. And let's not be so negative on virtual communities. I think virtual communities can be very beneficial.
0: Hey, we'll take a break now, and uh, let me just remind listeners of something that you may have not heard about or something to take advantage of. And we would love, first of all, to be able to hear your questions, just like the ones that Tim and I are talking through today. We have a really simple way of doing that. You can go to a website, submit your questions, uh, and then we'll take them and turn them into discussion on the topic on a different episode. So here's that website, and I'll just spell it out for you. It's speakpipe.com. That's speak, as in speak, (laughs) Pipe, as in P-I-P-E, dot com. One word, speakpipe.com, slash Biola CMR. So send us your questions. Send us your ideas of some topics, and we'll be able to tackle them on our next episode. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love to hear about it. Send us your feedback on the things you've enjoyed, or tell us if there is a particular topic you'd like us to cover. Just email us at cmr at biola dot edu. And don't forget to rate the podcast on iTunes. Hey, uh, let's try another one. Um, This person uh, has a friend um, and they they have this question. How can I let this person know, this friend, that they've hurt me? but I don't want to damage the relationship. They're afraid that if they talk about the hurt and the pain that they've experienced from them, that the friendship will, or the relationship will be damaged. So Tim, um, how do you have those hard conversations with somebody? I, I think it starts with this. I think the level and the depth of your friendship uh, the amount of is is directly proportional to the amount of vulnerability. It's mm-hmm. is all relationships require what an investment of time and a commitment. I have to be there for them, whether it's in person, face to face, or like you just mentioned, maybe even virtually. But at least I make time. But vulnerability is one of those very important uh, variables that require me to say when things are going well and also not well, and expressing that to the other person. Knowing that as I express this, a good friend is going to listen, be able to process that, and still accept me as a friend, keep that which is good, blow away the bad, and still do... But it's easier said than done in some of these relationships.
1: We've done podcasts in the past about communication climates. I think this is a great climate question. Climate is made up of four different areas. How much do you trust each other? What are the expectations you have of each other? Is there acknowledgement? And what's the level of commitment? So sometimes in a friendship, uh, when you do bring up an issue that's difficult and the person doesn't necessarily respond well, what you've just done is, is uncover a little bit of what the climate's like. Now, listen, it doesn't mean the friendship's over just because the person didn't respond well. And uh, this question kind of reminds me of the question we get at, at a university. Hey, how can I break up with a girl but not hurt her? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> when you find that out, let me know. I'd love to know that. So, yeah, when you're going to say something hard in a relationship, there's a chance short term. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna impact the climate a little bit, but that can be recovered. But if you're afraid to ever say anything because you think this is going to damage and I don't think the friendship's strong enough to sustain this, then I think you've also uncovered that uh, vulnerability that you just talked about. Man, latent conflict is not good for a relationship, so if you're carrying this all around because I'm afraid to say something, it might be the end of the marriage, the dating relationship, or the friendship. That's a bad sign as well. So I would, I would test the waters I would test to see what the climate is like by talking about certain things. And also, I love what the Harvard Negotiation Project says. Offer an invitation to talk. To say, hey, there is something I've been thinking about in our friendship that I'd like to bring up. Would you be okay with that? I think that's good to offer the invitation rather than just sneak it on a person.
0: And in other podcasts, Tim, we've also talked about understanding... Uh, And hopefully you can get to a point where as you begin to have this conversation with your friend, that you begin to recognize not just the event that maybe caused this, uh, maybe they were constantly, you know, saying something that you misinterpreted or you interpreted as negative, or maybe they were doing things that you've asked them not to do and it hurts you. It's not just the event, Tim, it's also that deeper issue. What's the hidden emotion going on there? And, And being able to understand that in yourself and then being able to express that when we or when this happens, I feel this way, uh, and it makes me feel this way. And th- that that kind of ability to talk and then be able to listen to the other person uh, can begin, you know, helping you know ma- navigate these very hard moments and you know difficult conversations. So. And
1: not to toot our own horn, but get resources before you do this. Don't just sit and say, "Hey, I want to talk to you about something." So I'm going to take a deep breath on three. Here it is. That that can really backfire. So we have great resources on our website. We have blogs on this issue. Um, I, I wrote a book called "I Beg to Differ: Navigating Truth and Love in Difficult Conversations." So I would say prayer and get some good resources. Check out our website. But but man, have a plan in mind of how to do this so it doesn't go south.
0: Well, here's uh, by the th- way,
1: I want to talk to you about something later. <laughs> Just be I'll, be,
0: I'll be ready for the you. recordings are off. Okay. So here's another one, very similar. How can uh, this person writes, how can I overcome a fear of tiptoeing in relationships? Afraid of my actions, pushing a friend uh, or a significant other away. Um, and and I, I worry about this question. I, I don't know if this is what they mean, but it, tiptoeing in a relationship, is never a good thing, right? If you're always constantly in a relationship in which you're afraid they're gonna leave you, you feel vulnerable, you feel like you can't say what you really feel, or you feel like you're always on eggshells, uh, and it's about to crack or to break. I mean, there's maybe a self diagnosing thing there with your relationship. Why is it that this relationship isn't as stable as you want or need? Or what is it about the relationship that maybe you're missing? So, but this person says, how do they overcome the fear of having to do that in a relationship? Because they don't want to push them away.
1: We just did a podcast all on perceptions. And I want to know, what has caused you to have this fear? It may be that you had a really bad experience with a friendship that went south. Maybe that um, you grew up in a family where people weren't necessarily connected. It is good to do some unearthing of understanding what's causing this fear. I also say expectations play a part. Like you and I work at a university, Biola University, and I'm always fearful of incoming students who say things like, yeah, I can't wait to meet my roommate. I just want him or her to be my best friend. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we place too much on a friendship too quickly. Like oh finally this is the couple we're going to be best friends we're going to do life together. Finally this is the person that we're going to be soulmates and we'll be friends long after, right? So be people can feel overwhelmed sometimes when you're desperate to finally get that friendship. So I would take it in stages. I would move slowly and I think friendship is usually based on common values and common activities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um make friends with the person who has the same kind of interests you do and as a couple or families, we, we found that life was seasonal as a family with small kids. You're hanging out with you know, people that have small kids as well. You're at every basketball game together and Taekwondo practice. So I, I would say commonality is where you can develop friendships as well. But but take it slow and let it develop almost naturally. But eventually, you're going to have to make decisions to spend time together. Yeah, that's good. Yeah.
0: Um, another person wanted to talk a little bit about uh, friendships. Um that ultimately that transition out of your life and how do you deal with that in other words there are sometimes you have a really close friend, and I think this is what they mean, or friendship, and all of a sudden, life happens. You find yourself in different cities, and in different states, uh, different seasons of life. Now, you've had this friend. You are now married, and they're not, and all of a sudden, all of your things are working with married couples, and all of your... you know, And, and it's hard to connect again, and, and they just worry a little bit about that, that transition and how to deal with that.
1: So, I have a friend of mine who's a gifted writer. He came up with the... I love this phraseology, friends of the heart and friends of the road. Mm -hmm. Friends of the road means, uh, you know what? You move out of your hometown. You go to college in a different state. Um, You go to college and you have all this commonality and then you graduate and you only hang on to like one or two of those people, right? Those are friends of the heart. Friends of the heart is like, hey, I don't care the circumstances. I I have two friends I'm thinking of. Uh, One was in my wedding. Uh, We've known each other 30-plus years, and we still talk to each other. I bet you we talk to each other um, three, four times a month on the phone. He's in Canada. I'm here. Obviously, we're not seeing each other much. I have another friend of mine, uh, a guy named Tim, who I bet you we talk once a month and then see each other once a year at this conference that we uh, both belong to the same group that speaks on marriage. So, I, I, But I think that's gonna be a small group. I think it's okay to have friends of the road. Like, hey, we had great time, um, and let's not devalue that. But, but we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, whoops, that was my time, uh, we're up. Sorry, I get paid by the minute here. And, uh, uh, so I think it's, uh, let's not get a guilt trip that we have friends of the road. Friends of the road are great. You just can't carry all of those friends because then it starts to dilute all of your friendship. So I I like that idea. Friends of the heart, we're gonna stay in touch no matter where we live, what season of life. Other ones, this was a great season, and we just kind of moved on.
0: No, I like that. I think it's a great way to help you categorize um, and maybe not feel so guilty or bad. This is Part of the way life is, we move in and out oftentimes of, you know, jobs or roles or responsibilities, and friendships can be like that. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, that just p- uh, points, Tim, to the power of how important consistency and togetherness is in a friendship. And when somehow that's, you know, being compromised, um, you still may enjoy the person, love them, reconnect with them again. Um And it's just a phase we oftentimes will go through. And I I just feel like oftentimes um, we need to take advantage and remember that uh, right now, uh, to be able to express appreciation, enjoyment for another person for the season you're at is really important. We, and take advantage of those times in which you do have somebody in your life, somebody that you can hang with and talk with and enjoy because it doesn't always stay that way.
1: And here's the great thing about social media. Like a couple of years ago, my editor, my publisher, in a varsity Press, wanted me to get on Facebook. Right? And I was like, oh, please don't make me get on Facebook. But you know what? It's been a blast, Chris. You know why? A bunch of friends of the road pop up all the time. My wife and I lived in Lithuania for one solid year before we had kids. And I got really good friends with a guy named Thomas, who was on the Lithuanian national water polo team. And we spent a ton of time together. I witnessed to him. He never accepted Christ. But it, it was a blast. We went on a bunch of double dates. He was dating a girl. Guess what? Literally a couple months ago, I get a Facebook message from Thomas saying, do you remember me? I'm like, Thomas, are you kidding me? Yes. We traded family photographs. And guess what? He's going to be coming to San Diego uh, in about eight months. And we're going to try to find a a common place just to catch up. So don't discount these friends of the road that they'll never pop up again. They might pop up again. And how fun. To keep those lines of communication open, that they can pop up again, and it's not this big awkward thing. That's great.
0: I love it. Thanks. Good advice. Uh, good questions. And yeah, so keep them coming. We yep.
1: love interacting with your questions. So
0: we'll do great. more ask the expert questions at another time. And it's been good visiting. We
1: got you. one one more. Why can't we hear more from Tim? Well, because I don't <laughs> want to be selfish, and Chris needs this more than I do. But hey, thank you for the CMR. It's funny that was in your handwriting, (laughs) that (laughs) question.
0: That is so weird.
1: I submitted it.
0: Yeah, I could tell. Well, let's end there then. How do you think? All right, bye. Thanks for listening to The Art of Relationships. This podcast is only made possible through generous donations from listeners just like you. If you like it and want to help keep the podcast going, visit our website at cmr.biola.edu and make a donation today.